Uh, it's all about classics, right? Classics. If you had a a classic car, you'd really love it, right? Uh, if you, uh, ladies, if you would have a, a favorite antique, something that uh, would have been passed down for generations, or you found uh, this hidden treasure in somebody's garage, or you spent a lot of money on something because you thought it was really cool from generations past, you would see the value in it. And that this morning is what we're going to be talking about from Titus chapter 2. I think that it's interesting uh, that in most churches, and ours uh, to some degree is no different, there tends to be an age warfare going on. Uh, Who is more important in the church? Is it those who are young or is it those who are old? Uh, those who are old would say, it's us. Uh, we are the ones that have been here a long time. In fact, uh, they would look at the young and they'd say, well, the kids these days, and they would uh, follow on with these different things that they would uh, bemoan about the way young people act today. The music they listen to, the way they spend their money, the clothes they wear, the tattoos the piercings, um, and various other things. You insert the blank, uh, fill the blank. Um, and then they would say, well, you know, back in my day, back in my day, and uh, chances are their memories aren't as good as they remember them, or it's selective in what they remember back in their days. The young, it's totally different when you're young. You, you look at the old people and you say, oh, old fogies, man, why don't they just get with it? And Realize that the things that they love are tired ideas. Why don't they realize that they're outdated and the things that they embrace so much? Nobody does that anymore. Why don't they get hip? That's just a funny thing, by the way. When older people get hip, it's not a pretty thing. Um, (laughs) Why don't they become new and full of life like we are? Um, they, They don't even text. You know, they don't even text on their phone. Um, it, it's interesting. My uh, one of my sons got a, a phone, and a kid's text today. It takes me a while to say type in yes, but um, uh, they were texting all the members of our family, like anyone who had a phone. And uh, uh, one of the older members of our family, she she goes, "We don't really do that. We don't really do that texting thing." It probably startled her when it came up on her phone. Uh, what, who's sending me these things? You know, must be a bad person. No, it's my nephew. Um, but uh, we uh, we sometimes have this age warfare going on, and I, I want to tell you, no matter what age you are here today, I beg you, I beg you to protect against this. I, I beg you within the church for you to see past this. Uh, we uh, just sang for us our worship team this morning. Your name. Um, did you think that was your name that they were singing about? They weren't, were they? They're singing about the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is his church. This is his church. In fact, uh, the book of Titus is talking about the church. Paul is writing to Titus, who's going and ministering to some churches in Crete, so different churches there, and he's saying it's so important that they get put in order. It's so important that they're run properly. It's so important that people are fulfilling their roles within the church. 
Because it's my church. It's, Jesus says, it's my church. I, I am the one who is supreme. And so in the church, it's, it's very important for us to not see ourselves as most important, our own age group as most important, that we would get what we want and when we want it and to the degree and to the volume and to whatever, to the style but for us to say, what is our role to fill within this church? And how can I encourage those who are not part of my age group? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. And uh, I would like to read to you from God's Word the whole chapter. Chapter 2. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word. This is what God has to say to us this morning. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that uh, cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. And God, thank you for this time that we can be before your word. I ask that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. I pray that if some of us have been living a different way and, and thinking and valuing things that you don't value and, and disregarding things that you do value, God, help us, grow us this morning. May we not be convicted without being motivated to move and to change. God, thank you for the grace of the gospel that unites our hearts together in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're in chapter 2, uh, really looking at verse 1 this morning and, and looking down on through the classics of the church. And when I say classics, I'm talking about the old in the church. 
And this morning, uh, you may ask the question, am I old? Am I old? For some of you, it's not a question, right? You just know where you're at, right? You've embraced it. Uh, it's not a close thing. It's, it's, uh, it's an obvious thing. Uh, if you look, uh, if you study this in the scripture, it does talk about older men and uh, older women and younger men and younger women. If you really understand the Greek and, and understand all that goes on into this discussion, uh, anyone over, let's say, 43 is old. If you really understand where that's going in the Greek. I'm 42, by the way, but uh, uh, it's going to be turning 43 in a couple weeks. So maybe it's 44. I don't know. Uh, Really, uh, the idea probably in their culture was around 30, 35, that area. Um, And so you either fell on one side of that or the other. Really, it's somewhat of a sliding scale. I really think it has some more to do with raising kids uh, than it does with your, uh, your age personally, because I think it brings you into a different phase of life. Um, they say that kids keep you young. I don't think that's true. I think they make you old, um, but it's a, a good life and something good to be done. Uh, I'm not suggesting, maybe I am suggesting you know, having more kids and so on and so forth. But anyways... This morning, we look at verse 1, and to set up this whole discussion, it's going to talk about older men, older women, younger women, younger men, Titus himself, and then slaves. That's what he's going to go through, these different categories of people. But to begin this discussion, he says this, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. He says, Titus, you need to teach You need to teach. You need to be about teaching what accords with sound doctrine. The idea of sound doctrine, sometimes that sounds like heavy theology, but I really want you to connect what we're going to talk about. He says sound doctrine, and then he uh, goes down and he talks about some very practical things. And I, I was thinking about this. First of all, when you see the word teach, sometimes immediately... Uh, We have a lot of retired teachers here and present day teachers. We think of a classroom setting, a classroom setting. But I want to tell you, um, subjects of school, subjects of school can be taught in the classroom. Subjects of life are not taught in the classroom, are they? They're taught in the home. They're taught on the road. They're taught as we're going about life together, um, as we're being the church This is the the context for which this teaching was to go on. Paul says to Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine or sound teaching. Uh, The idea of sound is that which brings health, strength and stability and health. He says, as you think about what you need to teach, and as you teach in Crete, in these many churches, as you go around, he says, teach what brings about health in the church, brings about health in the families. This follows along what we really believe that Christ wants for our church, of rescuing families. There's a sense of, of teaching that needs to be going on here. 
And we're going to about ready to see what the method is or the how it functions within the church, how this teaching is to go on. And I want to point out something that uh, he has already spoken of elders. He's already spoken of overseers. And now he's talking to all older men, all older women, all younger women and younger men within the church. I realize that some of you here this morning are just kind of coming and you're, you're checking out who we are. You're trying to figure out what the church in Bear Valley is all about. We're grateful that you're here. Um, I hope that you don't find us as weird as you thought we were prior to coming. I hope that's true. It may not be true. Um, but what we want to be doing here, what we want the activities to be here, how it comes about, how we spend our time really is found in these next verses. And so I, I find them to be very important, especially at we're at the crossroads here, this church. I want to tell you that this may cause us to rethink, rethink the way we do things around here. It really may. I, I don't want to dramatize this and say we're, we're ripping out, we're changing everything. But if you look at this, this may cause us to change everything we do around here. As we look at this passage, um, he is calling us to be handing down, to be teaching the next generation. And as we look at this, I sometimes wonder about our structure and the way we do things, especially our Bible studies, if this is conducive to this happening. Okay, and so we need to be thinking about that as we go through God's word this morning. I want to speak to you who are older um, and just before we really get rolling here, I think you already know this, but um, I guess I've found out in my life, I am 42 and um, my wife's only a couple of years younger, though she looks a lot younger than I do. Um, that's always been true, I think, uh, since I've known her. Um, it's interesting when, when you're in middle school or, or junior high and you're in high school, you struggle with certain things and you see things that are true in your life. And your assumption is that you'll grow out of them. Your, your, your assumption is that you'll grow out of them, whether they be, uh, some kind of awkwardness uh, some kind of sin that you struggle with. There's an assumption there that um, this will only be for a period of time. It's like growing a beard. Once I grow a beard, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of all these things. And and the sad thing for me to realize, as many of you have realized, is your sins, the things you struggle with, are not cured by time alone. We wish those things were true. We wish some of those insecurities and those things that we valued that aren't that valuable and the other things we should be valuing are not are more valuable. We just get it all mixed up. We think that that will be cured in time. And yet it is not. Uh, these things are cured by us walking with God. I also want to talk to you older people and I just want to talk to you about your uh, place here at Bear Valley Church. I want you to know we are not going to throw you out. We're not going to throw you out. Um, 
At our house, we're consumers. I don't know if that's true at your house as well. And we break, use up, and things fall apart, and they get bad, and so we throw them out. We look at them and go, ah, it's just not worth it anymore. We'll throw it out and get a new one. I want you to know, older people at this church, we are not going to look at you and say, you're no good anymore. We're going to throw you out and replace you with something new. Okay, I, I hope that that's a comfort to you. In fact, I want to go one step further than that. I want to go one step further. And, and it comes from this passage. You fill a critical role that cannot be filled by anyone else here at Bear Valley Church. A critical role. In fact, this church will be messed up for generations if you do not fulfill your role here. I want you to feel that this morning. I think it's easy to say, um, you know, I, I've gotten to the end of my life. I've raised my kids. Whew, done with that. Uh, I, I've gotten to the place where I'm done with my career. Whew, done with that. Now is the time to just retire from life. To just see how many days I can waste. And I want to tell you, older folks of Bear Valley Church, the classics of Bear Valley Church, the antiques, you are valuable here, you are needed, you fulfill a critical role that no one else can fill. I want you to know that. And I hope you see it as we, we look through here. Um, I, I want to give a term here that um, I don't know if somebody told me this or I just saw it in the passage. And I, What we're talking about this morning is raising parents, okay? Raising parents. Not raising kids, but raising parents. And I see a beautiful connection of generations here. Uh, sometimes I think that we get it all mixed up and we say, uh, we need the older people to teach the children. And that should go on, by the way. Uh, older people should teach children. But the role here in this passage is not older people teaching children, it's older people teaching parents. That's what you're going to find in this passage. Let's get there. I'm talking too much. Um, look down at verse 2. Look down at verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. First of all, I just want to point out, it says older men are to be. Older men are to be. Uh, they're not to act these things. They're to be these things. Uh, you, you know the difference? Um, acting good, acting good is the idea of when the spotlight is on you, when someone says, hey, show me how to do this, um, it, it's not the idea of being something for a short period of time and then going back to your old ways and your old self. It's, this is who I am in life. This is the way I live. This is what is manifested in my life or displayed. If you would follow me around, this is what you would see. It's not when I'm uh, acting or playing or when I'm on for showtime, it's when I'm off the stage, what does it look like? And he lists out some things here. The first one being this. Uh, 
sober-minded, sober-minded. Obviously, this word uh, is connected many times with alcohol. And the idea of alcohol is that it brings you to a state where you are not clear in your mind. And yet in this passage, I don't believe it's talking about don't get drunk. But obviously, if you got drunk, you wouldn't be this either. Okay? Sorry to be so complicated. Uh, The idea of being sober-minded is the idea of being a clear thinker. Someone who is not on the roller coasters of their thoughts. Someone who is not in life just going up and down and one day they're doing this and one day they're doing another and they're being jerked around from one side to argument to the other. And really the connection being here is that's what you were, men, when you were young. When you were young. I remember talking to uh, one of our high school students and he was a senior in high school and I was talking to him and uh, I said, so, you know, what have you been thinking about doing? And he says, well, he says, I've been thinking about uh, becoming a hedge fund fund manager. And I said, oh, and I was like, what does he even know? What, What is that even? You know, how does that? And he started talking to me about he had all these grand plans. And then he said, or I was thinking about going on the PGA and becoming a pro golfer. Or, you know, he had two or three others that were just all across the board. And what it displayed that in his heart and his mind was that he was on a roller coaster. That he was not one who had a clear path and was clear thinking about his future. He did fine in the future, but... Um, This is the picture of what it means to be an older man, is that you are sober-minded. You don't get jerked from one side of the rails to the other. The second word here is dignified. That's the idea of worthy of respect or, or serious and worthy. It's the idea that the frivolities of life and the wasting of time and, and resources and the loving of things that are unimportant are done with. There's a seriousness, not, um, not, um, not being boring, but the idea of understanding what is most important. This is what it means to be an older man. I think about young men today and, um, you know, what are, what are young men known for today? They're known for wasting their life on the internet, looking at things that they shouldn't be looking at that are ruining and destroying their soul. They're known for wasting uh, money on toys, uh, on things of technological junk or sports stuff. They're they're known for uh, playing video games and binging on those for days at a time going, I got high score. Sweet. You know, I've really accomplished something. They're known for uh, hemming and hawing and, and, and just dreaming about the latest tattoo that they could get. And they're like, this is really going to make my life complete. And he says to older men, he says, be dignified. Put away the frivolities of life aside. You should come to the place where you really know what's important. You should really have a life that is worthy of respect, worthy of honor. The third one he says is this. He says, self-controlled. 
self-control. This is going to continue to come back to us in this passage. Actually, we've already looked at it in an elder. But the idea of being self-controlled means just controlling yourself. Deep, huh? Uh, it's the idea that you don't need a babysitter any longer. It's not that, uh, men, that we don't uh, have any areas of our life that we sin and struggle with, but it is that, that we don't need someone to babysit us on that. Man, I'll just say it to you this way. Uh, forgive me for being so personal. But we don't need any woman telling us we don't need any woman telling us. We don't need any son or daughter telling us. You shouldn't use that word, Dad. You shouldn't talk like that. Hey, Dad, you shouldn't waste your time on that. Honey, you shouldn't be doing that. It's the idea of being self-controlled. It's the idea that, that we, in our relationship with God, that He is the one through His Spirit, He is the one controlling us. Not a nagging wife or the onlooking eyes of our kids going, Dad, should you be doing that? It's that we're self-controlled. Self-controlled. We move on and he talks about a fourth one. And he says sound. And really this flows into three different categories that are, are marked by the faith. Paul refers to these often uh, in the New Testament. This idea of sound is the same idea of healthy. It's the idea that you have a growing and vibrant relationship in these three areas. The first one is in faith, in faith, that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, men, that it's really interesting to me. Um, men, we always want to teach. We always want to teach. We would love it if someone would want to know what we know. But, but men, this is the thing that's really difficult for us. Most of the things that we know aren't all that important, okay? Things that won't last beyond this life. And this morning, as he points to the older men, he says, this this thing is so important that you have a healthy, that you display this, that you have this, that this is a part of your life, that you have a healthy, a strong, uh, uh, a sound relationship with Christ, that you have faith, that you have faith. This is something that you can pass to the next generation, the next generation of parents as you are raising parents within the church. You can pass this, that you have a faith, that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He also says in this list of words, he says, sound in faith. It's also that sound in love, sound in love. And obviously, these two words are connected, right? Faith is something that God has done on the inside. Love is what comes out of that, right? That we would be sound in love. Men, uh, just to be real clear, most of us struggle with this, right? We, we like to do tasks. We like to dig ditches and accomplish, uh, m you know, climb mountains and these other things that are easy to do. But the idea of loving, the idea of loving, of valuing the souls around us, our wife, 
our, our kids, our grandkids, of valuing them above all other things and really the love of God pouring out to those who are around us. He said, this is who you need to be, man. You older men, you need to be sound in faith, sound in love. And the last one he says is he uses the word steadfastness. In other places, Paul says hope, and he inserts steadfastness in this list of three. The idea of steadfastness is that you are are not going to be moved, not going to be moved. Man, this is this is the good time when we're stubborn. This is the good time. Uh, there are other times where we're stubborn just to be stubborn, right? It's sinful. But it's the idea when he points to the older men of the church and he says, you will not be moved. You will not be moved. You will not be changed because you have found your place and it's founded on Jesus Christ. He says, men, this is what you are to be. This is what you are to be. This should be flowing out of your life. This morning, men, I want to tell you that as I go through this list in my own life and I go, oh, some of these things I'm not. Some of these things I cross over and I am from time to time, but I am not this all the time. I want to tell you, if you feel guilty this morning, men, join the club. Uh, If you feel guilty and you say, oh, if everyone feels guilty, I don't feel so bad anymore. Don't join that club, okay? How this happens is that we would follow after Jesus Christ. Remember we started with sound teaching? Sound teaching? It says, uh, teach what is sound, that, that which is healthy. What, how, will we know, how, how will we know that it's been good teaching? It flows out with a healthy life. You know what, men? Uh, if we're studying our Bible and it's not changing our hearts, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Something's wrong there. It may be uh, the way we co- maybe we come to Bible study and we go, man, I go to a deep Bible study. I go to a deep one. And we, we talk about the big things like, you know, how many angels can sit on the head of a pen or, you know, can God make a rock that he can't pick up? Because, you know, he says, how does that all work out? And you go, these are, I'm doing the deep stuff. Hey, if your wife doesn't know that you have met with God because of your Bible study, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. If it doesn't impact the way you go to work, if it doesn't impact your attitude, if it doesn't make you more self-controlled, more dignified, more, more worthy of respect, we're doing it wrong. And we're missing the point of the gospel. God was made, uh, God's desire was to change us through Jesus coming and to raise and to make older men uh, that are acting in a way that uh, fits the gospel. We move on to older women in verse 3. He says this, Older women... Uh, Likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not slaves to much wine. They are to, are to teach what is good. This idea of reverent in behavior, um, it, it, it's the idea of befitting that which is sacred to God. 
that their life should match the things that God loves. Their life should match that. It's a picture of uh, a woman who would be in the temple, a priestess in the temple, and that where God is, where God is being worshipped, that their actions would fit that. That there would be a joy about them that would match the joy of the gospel, of knowing God. That there would be a holiness that would match that with their God. That there would be a seriousness about the things that God is serious about and an understanding of that which is important and that which is not. Reverent in behavior. In verse 3, he goes on to number 2 in this list for women. And he says this, that they are not to be slanderers. Slanderers. Uh, He calls to the older women and he says, you should not have an unbridled tongue. There should not be a sense of you chattering and filling your days with talking of slandering, of gossiping, of wasting words because you're just filling your day. There should be a sense of the speech of an older woman that would be one that doesn't let their words fly, but rather considers their words and what should be spoken of here and how really I would even say more so, is this something that should be said? But the idea of that their words should be uh, penetrating, penetrating for encouragement, right? It's not the idea that they're ripping people to shreds around them, that they're known to be critical, known to be the consultant of life. They are not to be slanderers. The third one, um, and to be honest, I, I, I struggled with how this fits into the list. In verse, uh, in verse 3, once again, he says, reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. I thought that was obvious. <laughs> you know, I, I think through uh, what it is to be an older woman, and I, I've never been one, nor plan to be uh, for that matter. So it's kind of hard for me to grasp this. But as you look at the idea of being an older woman, you're past the idea of raising kids. And maybe uh, you're struggling with uh, what it is to do now and how to get through life. Maybe there's, there's health issues. And the picture of a, a woman, an older woman, saying, wine will get me through the day. I, I just need a glass of wine. I just need two or three glasses of wine. This is what's going to be most important to me. This is what will make the difference. Obviously, for an older woman in faith, what will make the difference won't be the bottle, right? It will be our God, that we have a relationship with Him. And so he says, hey, older women, you may not think it matters to anybody, but it matters to God, and it matters in raising, raising parents not to be addicted to wine. And then the last thing it says in verse 3, and it really segues into the next verses, they are able to teach what is good able to teach what is good. The idea of able to teach is that they're ready to go. They're fit to teach. They're fit to teach. 
not not the babies, not the not the little kids, not the twos and threes and the fours and fives and the sixes and sevens and that element, but able to teach what? If you look in those next verses, we're going to talk about them next week. And I didn't plan this other than last night I figured out uh, the women's tea. And then we're going to talk about the relationship of older women to younger women next week. I want to talk um, just as we kind of close this morning. I have some uh, advice for us who are older. And I, I want to confess that I guess I'm on the edge of that older group. Okay. Uh, 10 more years, it won't even be a discussion. You know, I can't even stretch the scriptures to fit myself in. I want to give you some uh, ideas about how to go about this. I realize, um, let let me tell you this. I realize that in our church, we we keep the kids with the kids, right? We keep the youth with the youth. We have younger people that were struggling to get in the church, right? Uh, those who are raising their kids, especially those uh, younger ones. And then we have uh, you know, groups of tired parents that are uh, going through the middle school and high school, and they're like, oh, is this ever going to end? How do we do this? You know, it's just, I could see the finish line, but I don't know if I could make it. And then we have a group of empty nesters and older folks, and they kind of separate to themselves. I want to tell you, this this is not the picture of Scripture. It's not. It's not that we have grown-up youth groups, right? We get in the youth group, you know, and we're all about the same age. It's funny. We continue to be all about the same age throughout our whole life. And we sit around and... Why is that dangerous? Why is that dangerous that... Uh, high schoolers only talk to high schoolers. Does anyone know? Hey, uh, I got a problem. Oh yeah, let me tell me, and I'll give you some great advice. <laughs> oh my years of wisdom. Well, what do you know? You're just a freshman. I'm a junior, okay? I'm a senior. I've got it all together. I understand what life is about. Uh, you know what? That's bad. That's bad our whole lives. That's bad our whole lives. You know, if you're if you're in your 70s and you only hang out with people from 70 to 75, that's a problem. You have no. I, I want to say it this way, and this is a bad thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. You have no idea what life is about because there's a whole lot of things going on in life that don't fit into the 70 and 75 crowd. You know what? If you're if you're 20 to 30 and you say, well, these are all the people I know, you have no idea. You have no idea what life is about. Let me give you a few things on ways we can go about doing this and just be thinking. And obviously, these are for older folks. The first thing I want to encourage you about, men and women, is this. Teach, teach from your mistakes. Teach from your mistakes. Not your successes. Not your successes. Um, there's a, a, a reality and a humility that comes from you being willing to say, I, I did wrong. I did wrong. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a conversation with a young mom and, uh, who was a few years younger than I was. And an older woman, the, the three of us were talking, and the younger mom said to me, she said, 
Oh, my kids, my kids just had a meltdown today. They just had a meltdown. Then I started laughing and I go, I go, oh, yeah, happens all the time at the Bozler house. In fact, it's probably going on right now, but I just don't know what's going on. And this woman with a straight face, this older woman, she said, my kids never had meltdowns. And it just stopped the conversation. And I looked at her and I go, oh. And this young mom says, oh. And I, I wanted to say, I didn't say this, you've lost your talking privileges. You know, you obviously are not, you can't remember what your kids were like. Uh, it's been too long. You don't know anything because your kids have never had a meltdown. Because that's what kids do. I'd rather you say, my kids had this all the time. This is what I struggled with. These are the things. Now you can talk. <laughs> but teach from your mistakes. Teach from your mistakes. The humility, the humility and the reality will be winsome to that younger generation. That younger generation where we are attempting to raise them as parents. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is enter Enter their world. Enter their world, not call them to yours. Enter their world, not call them to yours. I think sometimes as older folks, we, we get around and we go, you know what? Uh, the problem with the younger generation is they don't like what I like. The problem, they're, they're just not like me. And so I'm going to call them to my world. I'm going to say, you come over here. You come over here. I want to tell you about those who are younger than you. They don't have the time. They don't have the money. They don't have the perspective. They don't have any of that that they would come over to you. So you need to enter their world with them and and dream up ways where you can participate alongside them in their world. Enter their world. The third thing I'd like to share with you is this. And be gracious, be gracious. It's easy uh, as, as we talk to those who are younger than us to go into lecture mode, to pull that finger of faith out and start wagging it like this. And say, so, you know, you shouldn't do that. You know, you, you know you're wrong. It's interesting. Um, I, I remember being a young boy in the church. And when you talk too loud at church during the service, what do people do? Yeah, I'll be quiet. In fact, I'll never come back. <laughs> you want it that way? You can have it as quiet as you want. I think sometimes when we're older, we, we want to get people in line. We want to get people in line and we want, to, we want to correct them and fix them. And yet the grace of the gospel says that God will be the one to work in their life, to be gracious, to come around them, to be the encouragers, the lovers of them. Two more things. Focus on the big. Focus on the big things in their life. Not the small, annoying things. And there are annoying things. There's a lot of them about those who are young. There's a lot of annoying things. I think about their hairdos and their outfits. Their silly parenting phobias. Um, their selfishness. Their music. And, and you could go on and on. I, I, I want to just tell you this. Um, when I think of hairdos, um, 
Should we all bring in pictures when we were 20 or 30? You know, any beehives out there, anything like that? You know, some of you men thought you were James Dean or something like that. Uh, there was a sense of silliness to that. And, and I think about, I was talking to Rebecca about this, silly parenting phobias. Young moms today, they're scared of their own shadow in parenting their kids. They're, they're, they're going, oh no, my baby's going to get a germ, a germ, you know, a single one, and it's going to wipe out their whole life. They're not going to be able to go to college because of this one germ. You know, and, and they're, they're worried about everything. And, and you know why they're worried, ladies? Do you know why they're worried? Because they're talking to their peers and they're hopping on the internet and they're reading stories about things that will never happen to them. And they're filling their lives with all these crazy ideas when they should be hearing from you. They should be hearing from you. You know, we shouldn't be hopping on the internet when we have a question. We should be calling those who are this within the church, learning from them. Last thing I want to say this morning, and we'll continue this conversation next week, is look, listen, and pray. Look, listen, and pray. Older ladies, um, you, you you say, well, I don't know any younger ladies. Older men go, I don't know any of those type men in the church. Like, I, how, how does that even happen? I, I don't even know their name. They're not, they're not calling me up. They're want, not wanting to spend time with me. How would I do this even if I wanted to? Look, listen, and pray. Look around the church. Look around the church and say, who's being taken care of and who's not being taken care of? Who's not connected and who is connected? And as you look around the church and you, you ask God to show you who it is that you can minister to, who it is that you can download godliness to, look. And then as you identify them, come to them and, and talk to them and, and listen and listen. Don't just say, hey, I got some things I need to teach you. You need to be quiet while the teacher's teaching, Okay. No, but listen, listen. And then as you listen, pray, pray that God, what do I need to encourage these people about? How can, I, how, be, how can I be a teacher to them? How can I be the encouragement that helps raise them as parents? Do you understand how critical this is? I think it's easy uh, for those who are older to sit around and um, bemoan the, the, the kids these days and not do anything about it. Not do anything about it. And I want to tell you, um, God hasn't said it's a good idea if you do this. He has set this up as his method, as his method, that older pass it down to the younger. There's a kid who got loose from high school group over there. Um, somebody needs to get that kid and teach those parents. And anyways, uh, um, but this is God's method. This is God's method. He grows us as older people that we might pass that down to those younger parents. You know why? Because one day they're going to pass it down to that younger group of parents and so on and so forth. This is the way we do things. This is how it works within the church. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the joy of being before your word. God, I ask that you would uh, cause your word to motivate us to action. I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do this. I pray that um, if any of my words, and more importantly, if your words penetrated any hearts and convicted, I pray that it would get us to move and not just to feel guilty and wallow in days that have been lost. God, thank you for the opportunity in this church. Thank you for the older folks of this church. I pray that you would bless them with abundant energy to help raise that next set of parents. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.